Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? Look at your neighbor and say, but what does it matter? (laughs) The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Somebody's going to get that revelation from heaven. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect, there's that expectation I talk about so often, and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Heavenly Father, I pray in these next few moments of time that you will speak to our hearts, that God, we will hear from heaven and that we will encounter you in this place. Lord, I pray for freedom in this house for your Holy Spirit to flow in this place. God, that the anointing and the presence and the glory of God would flow right now. The Holy Spirit, you would begin ministering to each and every one exactly what they need from you. Lord, I pray freedom from oppression of the enemy, freedom from depression, freedom, Lord, from bondage, freedom from addiction in this place in the name of Jesus. I pray freedom from the lies and the curses of the enemy. I pray a fresh perspective from heaven on the situations and circumstances of our life. I pray that healing would flow in sick bodies in the name of Jesus, that joy would be restored and hope renewed, that confidence would rise up within the hearts and lives of each and every one of us, that God, we would respond today, Lord, with the assurance, with the confidence, with the hope of heaven, that what has happened to me, Lord, is surely, Lord, positioning and preparing me for the deliverance that you have established in my life, and that the gospel of heaven will continue to be preached to every person I come into contact with. Lord, I thank you for the refreshing of heaven in this place. God, I speak to tired and weary hearts. Lord, tired and weary souls in this house today. Lord, the refreshing of heaven be unleashed in the name of Jesus and that joy would be renewed. Joy would be renewed. Joy would be renewed in the name of Jesus. God, we ask that you would come and that your Holy Spirit would have your way in this place. We give you all the glory in your name. 
Amen and amen. The title of my message this morning is Position Not Imprisoned. Position Not Imprisoned. Tell your neighbor I'm positioned. That's all right. I got time this morning. Tell your neighbor I'm positioned. Not imprisoned. I'm positioned, not imprisoned. You know, I think there are so many times in our life, so many moments in our life where we feel as if we've been imprisoned, as if we've been locked in a place or put in a place where we feel that we have been uh, put in captivity, where we've been held back. The, the ultimate definition of prison is a state of confinement or captivity. And there's oftentimes this feeling in situations and circumstances of our life where we feel as if we have been placed in a state of confinement or captivity. I find it interesting that Paul, more oftentimes than not, found himself in a place or a state of imprisonment, a place of captivity, a a place of being locked up or held back as a result of being obedient to go and to preach and to do as God had told him to do. I I think it just goes to further uh, fulfill the words that Jesus spoke in John 16.33 when he said, In this life you will face trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. If you and I have said yes to Jesus, we're going to find ourselves in some pretty captive places. We're going to find ourselves in some pretty confined spots. There are going to be times, there are going to be seasons, there are going to be moments of our life where it will feel as if we have been put in this state of captivity, as if we've been imprisoned or punished. But the truth is, is God has not imprisoned you. God has not put you in captivity. God has not locked you down or put you somewhere and forgotten about you, but rather He has positioned you for a season. He has positioned you for a season. He has positioned you for a moment and what feels like an imprisonment is actually a positioning that God is doing in your life and through your life, not just for your benefit, but for the benefit of those around you. I have not been imprisoned this morning. I've been positioned. I feel like there are so many in the body of Christ right now who are facing so much opposition from the enemy, who have faced so much defeat, so much overwhelming pressure, so much overwhelming oppression from the enemy that it feels as if you have been imprisoned. It feels as if you have been locked up. It feels as if you have been unable to walk freely in the love and the peace and the joy and the confidence of the Holy Spirit. But I'm here to tell you this morning, what you're going through is not forever and it's not final. There's not a prison cell on the planet. There's not a physical place of confinement and there's not a spiritual place of imprisonment that can keep you from the destiny and the promise of what God has established for your life. If you're going through hell today, let me remind you is on its way for you tomorrow and that there's no promise that God has established. There's no plan that he has authored. There is no destiny that he has marked for you that the enemy or this world can keep you from. 
As the word reminds us in Romans chapter 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God has established it in your life, if he has promised it in your life, if he has spoken it in your life, then he is faithful to fulfill it. The thing that we must remember as the children of God is that when it looks like we've been in prison, when it looks like we have been put in a place of captivity where we feel that we are not flowing or functioning in the gifts and in the season and the position that God has called us to is that we've actually been positioned on behalf of the king as his representative for a reason and a purpose. I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1. It has become evident to me and even to the palace guards that I have been put here for a reason. I have been put here on purpose. I'm positioned, not imprisoned. I'm positioned, not imprisoned. I just... I shared with the church Wednesday night, there have been so many... So many of us that have been faced with this fierce attack of the enemy. I, I feel the last three or four weeks, my, my phone hasn't stopped ringing. My, my phone hasn't stopped receiving messages. I haven't stopped receiving requests for prayer because of the attack of the enemy that has been against the body of Christ. And church, can I tell you that oftentimes when the enemy fights with such intensity, when he fights with such... Uh, such ferocious attacks, with such intense attacks on the church, it is because the church is on the verge, the church is on the edge of seeing a breakthrough, of seeing a deliverance, of seeing God fulfill something in their lives, fulfill something in their destiny. So if you feel like every time you turn around, it's been one thing after the next, just know that you're doing something right. Tell your neighbor, you're doing something right. The enemy doesn't attack those who aren't a threat. The enemy doesn't attack those who are a threat. If you're being attacked, it's because you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. You possess something inside of you that he cannot overcome. So if he can get you to quit moving, if he can get you to quit marching, if he can get you to quit praying, if he can get you to quit worshiping, if he can get you to quit being an open door for the kingdom of heaven to flow and the love and the joy and the peace of God to break through in the midst of darkness, then you're no longer a threat. But as long as you keep worshiping, as long as you keep singing, as long as you keep living with the hope and the confidence of heaven, you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness because wherever you step your feet, whatever room you walk into, whatever place you go, you are the light in the midst of darkness on behalf of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are an ambassador for the King carrying His glory, His light, His gospel, His love into a world that so desperately needs it. Why would the enemy not want to discourage us? And oftentimes we feel that in those moments we have been imprisoned, but the truth is, is we've been positioned in that opposition that the enemy thought he was using, that thing that the enemy thought that he was succeeding in keeping you and I from fulfilling and keeping you and I from advancing what God has established and he has planned for our lives is actually a part of God's plan to bring about the fulfillment of his promise in the world. Number one this morning, if I'm positioned not in prison, I have to realize that my prison has a purpose. Tell your neighbor, my prison has a purpose. 
My prison has a purpose. My pain has a purpose. My difficulty has a purpose. My trial has a purpose. This season that I'm in has a purpose. While I may not like it, while it may not have been what I thought it was going to be, while it may not have been what I would have chose, the truth is, is that this prison, this situation, this circumstance has a purpose. My prison has a purpose. There is nothing in this life that I will go through, that I will walk through, that I will endure as a child of God, that I will not have difficulty and hardship in that does not have a purpose. And friends, can I tell you, if in the season, if in the trial, if the prison that you have been walking through has been more than you have ever thought you would bargain for in your life, can I tell you God has something so much greater than what you've lost to offer you, that God has not for a second failed to take note or fail to make mention of what you have sacrificed, what you have gone through, or what you have endured for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In everything that you have lost, God will turn around and bless you more than you ever thought would have been possible in this life. The difference is, as believers, as children of God, we're not living based upon the prison that we're in. But we live with the understanding that my prison has a purpose. Paul's reaction when he found himself in prisons was so far different from what most of our reactions would be if we were in Paul's shoes. Because Paul had come to a realization in his life that everything that happened to him was for reason or effect for the kingdom of God. That his life truly was not his own, but that he had been bought with a price, that he had been set apart and established by God. Paul had come to the place of realizing that every hard season I walk through is simply a positioning piece of the kingdom of God for his will to come and his will to be done. It was in those moments that Paul had peace even while in prison. Because he knew that every season of imprisonment he was in had a purpose. Because Paul knew that the greatest thing that anyone in the world could ever know was to know Jesus. The greatest thing that the world could ever know is to know Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have everything. I said, if you have Jesus, you have everything. You know what our problem is? Hold on. Jesus. Some cranky people in here this morning. They didn't have their coffee. The problem is, is that we live so much of our life. Jesus. Jesus. The problem is that we live so much of our life. We'll worship We'll worship 
if we feel like we have everything. We'll give if we feel like we have it to give. We'll serve if we feel like we have the time to serve. We'll go if we feel like we have the means to go. Because we live not on the realization that if I have Jesus, I have everything. But we live on if I have it, then I'll, then I'll give it. If I have it, then I'll, then I'll know that Jesus, if I've got it, then I'll know that Jesus is working for me. But the second that God shifts us into a season where it doesn't feel like we have it when, it, when God moves us into a season where we don't have the provision, where we don't have the excess, where we don't have the bounty, we feel as if God has turned his back on us and has imprisoned us and punished us, but all the while we have forgotten that the greatest thing that we could ever possess in this world is to know Jesus and to be called a child of God. That the greatest thing that we could ever have is to be called a child of God. That I am a son, that you are a son, that you are a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that as the Word reminds us in Romans chapter 8, there's nothing that can separate us from His love. It's why Paul made the declaration, whether I live or whether I I die. I'm a winner because Jesus has taken hold of me. Whether I'm in the deepest, darkest cell, the deepest, darkest prison, enslaved by the difficulties and the troubles of my life, I've got a reason to worship. I've got a reason to celebrate. I've got a reason to be excited. I've got a reason to wake up with joy and to declare that my God is alive and He's on the throne to declare that no matter what I face today, day and no matter what I go through tomorrow my future is secure my inheritance is fixed because I'm a child of the king it's not until we come to the realization that my prison has a purpose that I am no longer living for myself but for the king that I find myself responding to the situations and the circumstances of my life differently because see what happens is you stop When you start living like a child of God, when you start living from that place of realizing that even your prison has a purpose, your pain has a purpose, your difficulty has a purpose, you stop taking those difficulties, those setbacks, those failures personally. The problem is, is we take it personally because we measure success, we measure victory, we measure growth based upon the way the rest of the world measures victory, success, and growth. The only thing that matters, the only thing that counts is that Jesus Christ is being preached. So no matter what prison cell I find myself in today, what season of pain I'm in, if I'm still declaring that Jesus is the Holy hope of the world and that he's come to share his love with you, then I have been positioned, I have been purposed with a plan from God to fulfill the kingdom of heaven, seeing his kingdom come and his will being done. Suddenly the offenses, the setbacks, the failures, the difficulties in my life are no longer personal. The problem is, is we make the prison personal. Tell your neighbor, stop making the prison personal. Now, you're going to preach, you're gonna have to preach at them this morning because they're tired. It's hot outside. Tell them, stop making the prison personal. Tell your neighbor, stop making the pain personal. Here's the deal. The difficulty that you face, the trial that you're in, 
you, have, you and I fail to realize because it is personal. Because we carry the emotion and the weight of it. But the thing that we forget is that the trial that we're in, the prison that we're in, the storm that we're in, isn't just personal for us. It's personal to the king. <laughs> it's personal to the king. You ever made a parent mad before? <laughs> you ever made a parent mad before? You ever told them something about their kid and they didn't like to hear it? Anybody ever told you something about your kid and you didn't like to hear it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, am- it's one thing when somebody talks about you, but when you talk about their baby, ooh, you better watch out. There is something else that rises up on the inside of them. Can I tell you, if you think you feel that way, how much more do you think God feels about it? And if you don't think for a second that he hasn't taken notice of the pain that you walk through, of the prison that you're in, of the difficulty that you face, of the trials that you've been through, of what the enemy has brought against you, if you don't think he's felt that pain all the more, if you don't think he's felt the weight of that all the more, and if you don't think he won't hold hell responsible in every person that has talked about you, in every attempt the enemy has made to destroy you, if you don't think for a second that God is watching that God is working and that he is moving you will stay in prison and you will never walk in the freedom and the peace of knowing that where you're at what you're going through what you've endured what you've lost isn't just personal for you but it's personal for the king my prison has a purpose my pain has a purpose Yes, I've walked through it. Yes, I've endured it. Yes, I've had to face it. But in every bit of it, it has not been for nothing. One of the biggest things that we deal with in this life is that we feel that the attacks that we have endured, that we have suffered, that we have gone through have been for nothing. It's not for nothing. The attack wasn't against you. It was against the kingdom of heaven. You hear me? The attack wasn't against you. It was against the kingdom of heaven. We forget sometimes who we represent. But when we forget who we represent, we also forget what is accessible, what is available to us, and who we represent. You are the family of God. Hmm. And God fights for His family. He fights for His children. And He holds the devil accountable. For every attack against you. There's not a thing that you have lost this morning that has been an accident or a mistake. Or that has been forgotten by God. That prison, that pain has a purpose. Number two this morning. Number two this morning. My prison is a platform. My prison is a platform. Tell your neighbor, my prison is a platform. See, the problem is... In the church, for a long time, we've been really good about not talking about the prisons or the pain or the difficulty or the failures or the setbacks. We just want to pretend that everything's okay. Tell your neighbor, stop pretending. Stop pretending. Stop pretending. Life ain't always perfect. 
No matter how many different times you take that selfie to post on Instagram or Facebook, life ain't perfect. You can hold the phone whatever angle you want to, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. That's right. It is what it is. Here I am. I can hold that picture whatever way I want to. You're still going to see me on Sunday. Ooh, Pastor, you've lost weight. Come in Sunday. What happened? Eat cake and rest. Yeah, hallelujah. Did you know the Bible tells you to do that when you face the battle? Eat cake and rest. You don't believe it? Read about what happened to Elijah when he came off the mount, mountain. Mount Carmel. After he called fire down from heaven. You know, some of the greatest victories and some of the greatest setbacks in life were always faced with the attacks of the enemy. When you feel the, the spiritual oppression of the enemy. When you feel that spiritual warfare of the enemy. And some of the biggest things that the enemy will fight you for is your rest. I love that when Elijah had left that glorious encounter with God, he, he, on behalf of God, he called fire down from heaven and it consumed the sacrifice. And the next thing you know, he went to the Lord and said, I just want to die. Anybody else ever felt that way? Man, <laughs> have a glorious church service on Sunday and Monday morning. Jesus, just take me home. I'm done. I said, be honest. <laughs> Be real. Jesus, I'm, this, is, this is Monday at 9 a.m. and I'm done. Like, I've had all that I can take. You know, but it's in that moment that, that when Elijah had made that statement, the angel of the Lord came to him and, and gave him cake to eat and told him to rest. There's something important about resting that we're really bad at. <clears throat> Tell your neighbor, he's talking about you. Because we feel, a lot of times we feel as if we rest, we feel as if we take the time off to rest, we fall into that trap of we're being lazy, we're being unproductive, we're being, I just want you to know, God took time off to rest, and if he needed a break, so do you. And when you're tired, just like when you're hungry, you're not yourself. Some of y'all are like, you better hurry up, because I'm getting hungry right now. Oh, Jesus help us. The truth is, the prison, the difficulties, the troubles, the trials that we face in life are a platform. If Paul would have never found himself in this prison, he would have never ministered to the guards that he ministered to. If Paul would have never been in that prison, he would have never spoke to the people that he spoke to. He would have never crossed paths with the people that he spoke to. He would have never had need or reason to have conversations with these people to share the gospel. We look at our pain, our prison, our difficulty, the battles that we face, and oftentimes we want to bury them. But the truth is, is if you had never had to walk down that road, if you had never had to go through that season, if you never had to go through that difficulty, then the light and the love of the gospel may have never reached that person. Well, Connor, you don't understand the weight and the depth of my pain. You don't understand how serious the charges are against me. You don't understand how terrible the difficulty of this prison that I'm in has been. Friends, can I tell you, I don't. But I know the one who does. And I know that he was willing to leave 
I know that he was willing to leave heaven and humble himself as a man and walk this earth and having not sinned once, took all of our sin upon him, was nailed to a cross and was buried so that I could live. And while I wouldn't have ever, while I will never know how heavy that weight was for him to carry, every trial and every difficulty and every storm, every prison I'm in, and every season I go through of pain or of suffering or of trial, every bit of it is just a taste of what he endured. But had he not suffered, we would not live. Had he not suffered, we would... Mm. I want to be like Jesus. We'll sing about it all day long until it's time to be like Jesus. Well... They were shouting on that one. Did you hear that? We want to be like Jesus. We'll sing about it, talk about it, preach about it, get excited about it all day long until we get to the part about suffering. Boy, it is so quiet in here. You just don't even know how much. Brother Tommy, you ever had those messages you just wrestled with God about? You thought, I am not preaching this come Sunday morning. I am not preaching this come Sunday morning. You know, I got up this morning and I prayed, Lord, you sure you don't want me to preach something else? You remember a few weeks ago, Jesus, when you told me that I, you know, I had this message and then you changed it and then I got here and you changed it again? Can we have one of those Sundays? <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about suffering. We don't want to talk about our prison. We don't want to talk about our pain. We want to bury it. But the truth is, is every single person in this room has had to walk through something. And if you hadn't had to walk through something, let me just prepare you, you're going to walk through something. And if you walk through something, there's just a good chance that you're going to walk through something again. Because can I tell you, in this life, you will face trouble. Not my words, Jesus' words. But he said, take heart because I've overcome the world. There's not a thing that you're going to go through. There's not a thing that you're going to walk through. There's not a difficulty that you're going to face that Jesus doesn't know exactly where your heart is and exactly what you're dealing with. That he doesn't understand exactly what you're facing. That he doesn't understand exactly what you're going through. But the truth is, is it's oftentimes that pain. It's oftentimes that prison. It's oftentimes that place of difficulty. That place of loss. That place of trial. That place of suffering. That becomes the platform that God uses in order to preach the gospel. Oh. Had it not been for the cross... Had it not been for the cross, had he not died, he would have never had to rose again. We will get excited when we talk about the resurrection. But we don't like to talk about the suffering. 
And it's one thing when we talk about Jesus' suffering, or we talk about someone else's suffering, but then when we talk about ours. Friends, the suffering that you're enduring, the suffering that you have gone through, what you have paid, what you have lost, what you have endured, is, is simply the platform of what God has established that will launch you into what God has promised, what God has prepared, what God has made available for every single person who will simply trust in Him, who will rest in Him, who will cling to Him in every trial, in every storm, in every difficulty, in every loss, in every pain that will cling to Jesus will discover what happens when you walk through the fire and come out on the other side. When you walk through the adversity, when you walk through the pain and experience the freedom of what God has established and the plan that He has brought. Because every prison that a child of God finds themselves in, every difficulty that a child of God finds themselves in, everything that has been a loss, everything that has looked like a failure, everything that has looked like a setback was simply a launching pad for the kingdom of God to propel you into the promise and the plan of what he had established. If Jesus would have never been crucified, he'd have never rose again. If he'd have never died on the cross, he would have never been able to come up out of the grave. If he would have never come up out of the grave, he would have never defeated death, hell, and the grave. But because he died, because he suffered, because he endured, because he went through what he went through, it became a launching pad for the church that established the plan of God. From the time that Jesus came up out of the grave until now, hell has lost all authority. Hell has lost all power. And the church has been established as a body of Christ to tell every lost and dying soul, our God is alive, He's on the throne, and He has a plan for you. And it changes the prison. It changes the pain of our life. Because instead of it being mine to carry, I realize that it's His to bear. It's why Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble there's a process that God will walk you and I through in the trials of life that will prepare us that will establish us that will position us because it's often the prisons of our life that become the platforms that we begin to speak there are people in this room who have walked thing, walked through things that I've never walked through but there are other people in this room that are walking through those same things if you don't ever talk about if you don't ever talk about if you don't ever talk about your prison, if you don't ever talk about your pain, if you don't ever talk about what you've been through, you might rob somebody else of what it is. I love that Paul wrote letters about what he was enduring and what he was going through. That he shared about where he was because it was oftentimes that those prisons became platforms, those difficulties, those hardships, those losses, those frustrations, those struggles, those storms became the platform through which he shared what God had done or how God was moving or how God was bringing about his plan for the world. Our prison is often our platform. It's often that place that God hmm, 
positions us to share what He's doing in us and through us. If Paul would have never been in chains, there are people that would have never heard the gospel. If Paul would have never experienced loss, there are people that he would have never had to have talked to. There are things that he had never had to endure. Instead of us seeing the the prison, the trials, the difficulties, the circumstances of our lives as setbacks, it's time for us as the church to realize that we've not been in prison, we've just been positioned. And that what I'm walking through today, what I'm enduring today, what I'm going through today, is just preparing me. Hmm. Tell your neighbor, I'm waiting on purpose. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, I'm waiting on purpose. I love what he says in verse 20. He said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. But if you go up into verse 19, he said, For I know through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. There wasn't a single moment in Paul's life and the positions and the seasons that he found himself in that he was not convinced that God had not positioned him for deliverance. Every person in this room has to be delivered. Tell your neighbor, you got to be delivered. You had to be delivered from sin when you said yes to Jesus. And can I tell you, if you said yes to Jesus, you've been delivered from sin. If that doesn't give you something to shout about in the morning, I don't know what else would. The problem is, is that we live so much condemnation in our lives that we don't actually live freedom in our lives. So we live as if we are still sinners instead of having been delivered. I preached that message two weeks ago. Go back and listen to it. Delivered to deliver. Mm. Number three this morning. Position not in prison. I have to realize, number three, my deliverance is coming. My deliverance is coming. Tell your neighbor, my deliverance is coming. Tell them again. Now tell them again. Now they ain't heard you yet. Tell them one more time. No, you don't got it yet. Tell them again. (laughs) You know why I can get up in the morning and rejoice? Because my deliverance is coming. You want to know why I can sing on Sunday mornings when I know I've got a mountain of junk i got to deal with tomorrow? Because my deliverance is coming. You know why I can have hope <laughs> even when everything looks hopeless? Because my deliverance is coming. I don't have to wonder if it's coming. I don't have to hope that it's coming. I don't have to dream about it possibly one day happening. <sighs> my deliverance is coming. 
I can sing and I can worship and I can serve and I can give and I can go and I can do because my deliverance is coming. Because the pain that I've walked through and the losses I've endured and the trials that I've suffered through and the weight and the oppression and the attacks of the enemy that I am warring against right now, I have peace and I have joy and I have hope because my deliverance is coming. I love the words that Paul spoke in that moment because he said, I know through the Spirit of Jesus Christ and through your prayers that this will, this will turn out, this will produce, this will deliver, this will bring about my deliverance. He was confident of the deliverance that was coming because he knew that whether he lived or whether he died... He was delivered. Whether I live or whether I die, I'm delivered. So where I'm at today, what I'm going through today, what I'm enduring today is only positioning of the kingdom for the preaching of the gospel. I live for one thing, for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm a child of God. And everything I have walked through and everything that I have endured, Jesus, Jesus told those that would follow him that would leave family, that would give up land, that would sacrifice, that would go after what he said. <laughs> that he would bless them. The problem is, is so many times as we... We want to wait for the promise. We want to wait for the blessing. We want to wait for the fulfillment of those things just on this side of eternity. I got news for you. I'm not living for tomorrow on this planet. I'm living for eternity with the King. I'm not living for the rewards that I can get from this world. Because the truth is, this world doesn't have anything to offer me that can even begin to measure what He has prepared or what He has in store for me. I can worship, I can serve, I can live because I know that my deliverance is coming. I want to ask the team to come this morning. And as we're, as we're dismissing, I want to read Acts. I want us to go to Acts chapter 16. Tell your neighbor, my deliverance is coming. Hmm. Oh, my deliverance is coming. Hmm. I, I just, I've just been spending a lot of time talking to Jesus about where we're at right now as the church. And man, we are, we are on the verge of, of one of the greatest outpourings of the glory of God. And the blessings of God and His church. I just, I, I, I wish, I wish you could see, I wish you could feel, I wish you could know what it is that God is stirring right now in the church. His deliverance is coming. 
And there are some of you that have been facing some intense battles, that have been facing some intense warfare, that have been going through some pretty hard things. And I just want you to be reminded this morning that your deliverance is coming. That God has positioned you, that God has placed you strategically and that what you've endured, what you've gone through, what you've suffered has not been forgotten. But that what was personal to you is personal to Him. He knows right where you are this morning. You hear me? He knows right where you are this morning. He knows exactly what you're carrying today. And He is your deliverer. He hasn't forgotten about His promises. He hasn't forgotten about His plans. He hasn't forgotten about what He's spoken over your life. But the Lord wanted me to encourage you this morning. Your deliverer is coming. Acts chapter 16. Verse number 16. Paul and Silas had gone into Philippi. They had gone in to share the gospel at the instructions and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And it said, uh, Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Isn't it just like Jesus when he shows up on the... Mm. Mm. Just when the devil thinks that he's got you. I love that God, when he shows up on the scene, that what the devil intends to use as a way to pull people from, God will turn around and use to point them to him. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. So if you've ever been annoyed, just take heart, because even Paul got annoyed. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, it's okay to be annoyed. <laughs> when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I feel like there are some people in this place who feel like the imprisonment, the captivity that you're in because of the oppression and the fight of the enemy that's against you, I feel like some of you feel like you've been locked up in the most inner cell. You feel like you've been cut off from the presence and the peace and the joy and the love of God to be able to function and flow in what God has established for your life. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how you deal with that adversity. Let me tell you how you deal with that heaviness, with that weight, with that oppression, with that difficulty, with that fight that's against you. 
at about midnight. Isn't it always in the middle of the night when it feels the worst? At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. See, it's in the hardest seasons and the most difficult moments when the battle is the most intense, when the loss seems the greatest. It's in those moments that something happens when we begin to respond to the situation, not out of fear, but out of faith. Because we know that our deliverance is coming. See, the thing that Paul, the thing that Paul and Silas teach us in this moment, the thing that Paul teaches us in Philippians chapter 1, is that it's in the prison. It's in the pain. It's in the season of adversity that when we begin to respond out of faith instead of out of fear, that a shift begins to happen. Because it's the realization that what I have lost, what I am enduring, what I am going through today does not define who I am tomorrow. It does not secure my future. It does not define what I have coming for me. It does not define what the outcome or the story of my life will be because my deliverance is coming. Paul knew no matter what, he was going to be free. Because he was either going to live in that prison the rest of his life, or he was going to die. But I love what his response was. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, tell your neighbor, suddenly. There are some suddenly deliverances that are about to happen. There are some suddenly deliverances that are about to happen. I said there are some suddenly deliverances that are about to happen. Because it's in the prison, it's in the pain, it's in the difficulty, it's in the trial that when you and I begin to worship, when you and I begin to pray, when you and I begin to press into God, because we know that our deliverance is coming, that heaven begins to shift, and that God begins to move, and that God begins to intervene. Paul wasn't worried about what tomorrow held, because he knew that heaven was secure. He knew that his future was set in God. He had nothing to fear, because he knew that he wasn't in prison. He was simply positioned in order to experience what God had planned, what God had set up in the moment. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It was Paul's imprisonment that positioned him, that ultimately gave him a platform, that also secured his deliverance, because all the while Paul knew that God was faithful to fulfill his word and his promise. What must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. 
The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Had Paul and Silas never been put in prison, the jailer and his household would have never heard the gospel. Sometimes our pain, sometimes our prison isn't about us. And the, and the thing is this, when we take what feels personal and we place it at the feet of the one who has endured with us the pain and the suffering that we have endured, we position ourselves to experience the fulfillment of his word. Because we know, like Paul knew, my deliverance is coming. My deliverance is coming. So if you're here this morning and you feel you've been in prison, you feel that you have been attacked on every side by the enemy, then this is, this, is what my, this is what my challenge to you today is. Stand up and worship. Stand up and worship. Stand up and worship. I want you all to begin to sing. And I want you to begin to listen for the Holy Spirit as you're worshiping. I want you to begin to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as you're worshiping. Because here's the deal, church. It was as they were singing that heaven began to move. Deliverance happens suddenly. So when you feel the weight and you feel the heaviness and you feel the pain and you feel the suffering and you feel the pressure turn that bedroom into a house of worship turn that car into a car of praise and begin to lift up the name of Jesus and begin to worship the King because you've realized that you've not been in prison, you've just been positioned and that my deliverance is coming. This isn't, this pain isn't my future. This suffering isn't all that I have to endure. This prison isn't my final place. My place is a child of God. My place is a child of the King. My future is heaven. This isn't all there is. I've got a reason to worship. I've got a reason to sing. I've got a reason to praise. My back may be broken. My, 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 my wounds may be deep. My suffering may be intense. I may be locked up, bound up, chained down. But in it all, I can still lift my voice and worship the King because I know my deliverance is coming. My freedom is here. My healing is on its way. My provision is made possible because I know who I am as a child of the King. I wish somebody in this place would worship like Paul and Silas in the middle of the prison and get ready for a suddenly deliverance from the King. Come on, let's worship.